0: Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here. Glad to know all of you are out there. We got beautiful Christmas decorations in here already and uh, we've got a roaring fireplace out in the lobby and uh, it's just amazing around here. Somebody comes up with an idea and poof next thing you know there it is and uh, hopefully you've got decorations at home that you're enjoying as well and uh, we're looking forward to the Christmas season around here. Today we're going to close out our series on Philippians. Uh, I've enjoyed this series, hope you have as well. It's always an honor, it's always a privilege for me to be able to speak to you. And as a pastor, I identify with Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. So on your notes, on the screen, on the apps, in your Bibles, here we go. Philippians 4, 1, he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, For you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. And I just want to tell you, I love you guys. You are my dear brothers and sisters and friends. You're my joy. You're the crown I receive for my work. And like the Apostle Paul, I encourage you to stay true to the Lord. Stay true to the Lord. How do you do that? Well, one of the ways that we can stay true to the Lord is to maintain an attitude of joy in every situation and circumstance. Uh, in Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul says, read this one with me. This is kind of our theme verse for this series. Read this out loud. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We find our joy in Christ, and then we express our joy uh, for all the world to see. Uh, one of my all-time favorite Christmas carols is Joy to the World. And uh, we're going to sing a version of that uh, today as our closer, Uh, not the three-dog-night version. We're going to do the uh, the Christmas carol version. Been uh, giving you some joy killers each week in this series, and Paul mentions a joy killer in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anxiousness is the ultimate joy killer. And if we allow it, anxiety has the power to rule our lives. Uh, to be anxious means to be caught between. To be caught between. It, it's literally, to be anxious means to be halfway between hope and fear. Halfway between hope and fear. I'm really hoping that I get that promotion at work, but I'm afraid it's not going to happen. And so I'm caught in the middle between hope and fear I'm anxious because without hope there's no anxiety if you're not looking for anything positive to happen there's no anxiety without fear there's no anxiety if you're not afraid that the good thing won't happen uh, there there's no anxiety so anxiety appears when you're caught between hope and fear and parenting is fraught with anxiety parents you know how it is You have this great hope that your kids will connect with Christ, that they will become strong, godly followers of Jesus Christ. You want your kids to make wise life choices and live in a way that pleases God and blesses them. That's your hope. But you're also filled with fear that they won't. I mean, raising kids is a risky proposition. You can't make decisions for them and so there is a risk, there's a fear that they won't follow Christ. And the hope that they will and the fear that they won't makes you anxious. Marriage can be full of anxiety. You take two imperfect uh, and very different people, because opposites attract, and put them in a very intense relationship, a relationship that is full of hope and fraught with fear and marriage can be a very anxious environment. Uh, the issues in our world today cause anxiety. Uh, you know, I, I call my brother, lives in Tulsa, I call him a couple, three times a month. And uh, every time I call, I say, hey, how you doing? And often he will respond, well, I'm a little concerned about recent developments in the Middle East. But other than that, I'm fine. So, here are the joy killers. Here's how anxiety plays out in our lives. Uh, first is in our worry. Our worries. Uh, George Gallup did a survey to determine the top four things that we worry about in America. And number one was health. Health. And he did this survey pre-pandemic. So, you can imagine what that's done to that number. Okay? It was already number one. Number two thing we worry about is family. Parents worry about their kids, kids worry about their parents, grandparents worry about everybody, and uh, you know how it goes. Uh, Economy is our third worry. How secure is my job? Can I earn enough to provide for my family? Is the market up, is the market down? How much is a gallon of gas? Will I be able to buy toilet paper? (laughs) Our fourth worry is terrorism and I find that fascinating because this is a recent survey but frankly folks, 9-11 changed everything 9-11 reordered uh, our worries and our fears now worry can come from big things, it can also come from small things Uh, I looked up, I I found a list of phobias, of fears Uh, I found a list that listed them from A to Z over 500 uh, phobias Uh, one of them was glossophobia and and that's the fear of speaking in public and I identified with that one because I make my living speaking in public and I like to live on the edge (laughs) If you're not living on the edge you're taking up too much room so get out there and do some public speaking Uh, there is uh, tyrannophobia which is the fear of being tickled by feathers (laughs) it's a legitimate fear Nomophobia, that's the fear of losing my mobile phone, you know, he's, seriously, you know, how uh, you, know, there is a rockaboutrophobia, that's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth, <laughs> and it's, a, it's actually related to the fear of choking, it's a real identifiable fear, and then there is phobophobia, and that's the fear of having a phobia, And because we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And uh, so, but our fear, our worry, it can rule rule our life. Uh, The word for worry is, uh, the root of it actually means to strangle. Uh, When we worry, uh, it it chokes the the life breath out of you. Worry, it it can't change anything, but it can ruin our health. Uh, Another joy killer is our why. We talked about this the first week of the series, the why questions of life. And asking why questions makes you frustrated and it can ultimately lead to you being angry with God. And so I encourage you the first week not to get stuck in the whys of life but to move on to the whats. Uh, Moving past why and getting to the what is far more productive. Uh, You know asking why uh, makes you a victim. Asking what makes you a victor. You know, what is God teaching me through this difficulty? What does God want me to do in response to this difficulty? Third joy killer is our who. Uh, you know, people can create anxiety in your life. You probably have a who. I have a who. All God's children have a who. And uh, it may be a boss, it may be a co worker, maybe a neighbor, maybe a family member. I mean, every family's got a who, and, and especially around the holidays. The who's come out of Whoville and they show up at your house and make everybody anxious. And you wonder, how can somebody make me this anxious? Uh, but they do. Now, here's what I've learned about worries, whys, and whos. And this may not be easy for you to hear, but it's crucial to understand. The worries, whys, and whos aren't going anywhere. They aren't going anywhere. The solution is not to get rid of the worries, whys, and whos. The solution is to learn how to be joyful in spite of them. You have to learn how to deal with them or they'll kill your joy. We have to come to, the, come to grips with the reality that the worries, whys, and whos aren't going away doesn't mean you let anxiety rule and ruin your life. In fact, the message that God has for us is the exact opposite of that. God offers us joy in the midst of the worries, whys, and whos. John 16, Jesus says this. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. We've not been called to a natural life. We've been called to a supernatural life. And, and look what, what Jesus said to his disciples in, in Luke Uh, chapter 12. You know, we've been talking about Paul for these past few weeks. This is Jesus. This is the guy who made you. This is the guy who wrote your owner's manual. And if Jesus addresses an issue that we're struggling with, we need to listen up. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Jesus' worry, worry is nonproductive. And he has a promise for us. God has a promise for us that in the midst of the worries, whys, and whos in this world, Jesus says, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. And this verse tells us that we have a choice. We have a choice because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, because of the salvation that he offers to us, because of the power of his presence in our lives, because of the gift of his Holy Spirit to us, because of the hope of heaven that is before us. We have a choice. In the midst of this broken world, in the midst of all our anxieties, we can choose joy. We can choose joy. And Paul has learned this lesson from Jesus well. And he seeks to pass it on to the Philippians and ultimately to pass it on to us. Look at this. This is the key to joy. Philippians 4.10 says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. And they had sent an offering. Remember, with Epaphroditus, he'd taken an offering to Paul to show their concern and care for him. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says that he has learned to be content. And the meaning there is, is that he has an inward Sufficiency. It's not that he has everything he wants or even needs externally. He has an inward sufficiency to the extent that the eternal doesn't matter. He's developed the habit, he's developed the discipline of being content regardless of his circumstances. In other words, he made the choice. He made the choice. And if you're going to be set free from anxiety, you have got to make the joy decision every day. Make the joy decision every day. Because the reality of life here on earth is trouble, fear, anxiety are going to be all around us, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we can make the decision for joy every day. So how do we do that? How do we make the decision of joy for life? Uh, The next three steps that, that Paul gives us, they're the very things that Paul was doing every day. Paul was doing these every day in prison. And it helped him to be content and to have joy despite his circumstances. So here they are. Number one, if you want joy for life, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Here at Rockbrook we say pray first. Before you do anything else, pray first. And we're coming around to January, the 1st of, of 2021. And we're going to have 21 days of prayer because we're going to pray first in the new year. Uh, look at verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul says, Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And then he teaches us how to do that. Through prayer petition with thanksgiving now I'll be honest I've <clears throat> excuse me I've had a, a pretty good couple of weeks uh, I really have and and I thank God for that and so I was tr- trying to come up with a personal application that I could use with this point of, of me being in a state of anxiety and and God providing peace and joy and uh, and I, I honestly I couldn't come up with one that was real fresh and, um, uh, but I, I heard uh, from a pastor in Alabama uh, this week, and I thought you might be uh, encouraged by his story. And I just want to let you know that this, this has been a rough season for uh, many of our families here at Rockbrook. And we've got some families who have been hammered, uh, and, uh, and I know it's been a tough season for some of you. And so as I read through this, there's a bit of levity in this. But I, I want you to know that it's not because I don't take the hardships that you faced and the difficult seasons you've been going through, that I don't take that seriously. But a lot of times it's easier to receive these things uh, if it's laced with a little bit of sugar. And, uh, and so uh, I want you to hear about uh, Pastor Mark Preston's uh, a week. He says, My week began with an IT failure on a huge project at the church. We were creating a registration system for a big conference, and it crashed. It was a disaster that ruined weeks of work. The IT guys tried to explain to me what happened, but all I heard was Want, wah 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 <laughs> wah I didn't understand a thing they said. I just knew we were in trouble. That night, I go home, and the air conditioner in our house has gone out, and it is hot. It's Alabama hot in our house, hot, hot, hot like one of those judgment houses that you go to at Halloween. But we couldn't get a repairman to come for days. As we are tucking our kids into bed, I noticed a spot on my son's leg. We called a nurse friend, and she confirmed that it was a spider bite. So now our house feels like hell, and spiders are attacking us. (laughs) The next day, our oven goes out. So now the why questions kick in. God, why is our house hot and our oven cold? (laughs) We can't cook our food unless we set it on the counter. What is God trying to tell us through this? The next day we have a water leak in our second floor bathroom. It leaks so much that the sheetrock falls off the ceiling downstairs. So it's hot, we can't cook anything, spiders are attacking us, and now we're standing in water. That's when I did what anyone would do in that situation. I went to the freezer for some ice cream. (laughs) I'm a good dad, I buy my kids ice cream, but I also buy ice cream for me and hide it in the freezer, otherwise I would never get any. So I go to the freezer for my ice cream stash and it's gone. My mother had babysat for us earlier and she knows me because she's my mom and while she was babysitting, my mom ate the last of my ice cream. So he has worries, he's asking why, and his mother has become his who. (laughs) That's when God led me to Philippians 4 and taught me how to pray. So let's take a look at this passage in Philippians 4. Paul identifies three, three things, prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And so prayer... Prayer is, is when I'm speaking to God, I am addressing God. It's like I'm writing a letter, I'm sending an email to God. Dear God, here's what's going on. And so the question is, who do you talk to in your anxieties? Do you talk to God first, or do you talk to everybody else about it, and then God? You know, who do you address your prayers to? And petition. Petition is a humble and sincere request. It's a follow-up to prayer. It's God, here's what's going on, that's prayer, here's the petition. And this is what I would love for you to do about it. And I think it's important to express it with that kind of attitude. Here's what I would love for you to do about it. Typically, when we think of a petition, we think of it as a form of protest. We think, I'm upset about something, I'm going to sign a petition. But when I'm petitioning God, I'm not in any position to make demands or even voice dissatisfaction. When I petition God, it's a humble and sincere request. God, this is what I would love for you to do about this. And then we do it with thanksgiving. By faith, I thank God in advance for what I've asked him to do God thank you that you are already working on my behalf and look at the results of prayer petition and thanksgiving Paul says and the peace of God that's the opposite of anxiety and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus you know we can have peace uh, and we can live a life of joy. You know, the first three fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, and peace. The, the fourth fruit is patience, but that's a whole different series. <laughs> but, but love, joy, and peace are clustered as, as part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so when you pray and petition with thanksgiving, you can have love, joy, and peace in the midst of your worries, whys, and whos. And often, what we need more than the results of our requests is we just need the peace that comes from knowing that God's working on our behalf. You know, we, we can be rid of our cares when we know that God cares for us. So first, pray first. Pray about everything. Number two, if you want joy for life, think about the right things think about the right things. There is so much negativity in our world today, and the same was true in Paul's day. Paul is living at a time that's near the height of the depravity of the Roman Empire. For all its historical glory, uh, Rome was pretty depraved and debauched. I mean, it was a wicked, depraved, pagan culture, and any of the sinful yuck that we have in our time, the Philippians faced in theirs. You know, so so Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I mean, there is so much negativity in our world, in our culture, our media, our entertainment. And we think it doesn't affect us because we're just so surrounded by it. We've grown comfortable with it. We think we can listen to things, watch things, play games, read books, look at internet sites. We are ingesting all these negative and even impure things. And I hear people say, I've said it myself. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Well, maybe it should. Maybe it should bother us. We say, I can handle it. Nothing could be further from the truth. All that negativity is killing our joy. And if you're wallowing in the fear and loathing of the news every day, it can't help but affect you. And it will certainly kill your joy. People say, "Eh, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm I'm struggling spiritually right now. Well, tell me about your life. What are you listening to? What are you watching? Well, I, I watch cable news. I watch Netflix. I play video games. Okay, what music are you listening to? I listen to Beyonce, 50 Cent, Drake, Pitbull, okay, what else are you doing? Well, I spend a lot of time with friends. Well, in this day, what that means is I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. Tell me about your time with God. About three minutes a day. Rivers of negativity, droplets of God. Maybe the world's not the problem. Maybe we're the problem with the choices that we're making. I mean, what are you choosing to think about? What are you choosing to let invade and influence your mind? Whatever you're thinking about in your mind, that's what's going to bear fruit in your life. And worldly thinking leads to worries, whys, and whos. Godly thinking leads to love, joy, and peace. Paul takes it even deeper. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Say that phrase with me. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice, the God of peace will be with you. Number three, if you want joy for life, you've got to trust God in all things. Trust God in all things. God wants you to know that He's on your side. God wants you to know that He's fighting for you. God wants you to know you have a choice. Look at verse 12. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. And the hymn in that passage is Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, anxiety marks the spot where we've stopped trusting God. At the end of the day, anxiety marks the spot where we've stopped trusting God. And a lot of us would say that we're trusting God, but it's a mistrust. We we are missing out on the love, joy, and peace that we could have in every circumstance if we would just trust God to handle it. And when we listen to the lies of the world, when we listen to the lies that we tell ourselves, we miss out on what God really has in store for us. You know, we lie to ourselves and say, you know, my life's just always going to be average. God's Word says that you are God's masterpiece created in advance to do great things for God. We lie to ourselves and say, I'm always going to struggle with, and you can fill in the blank. But the Bible says that you're an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're not a victim, you are a victor. We lie to ourselves and say, I'm just always going to live with this fear. But the Bible says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. God has not given us a spirit of fear. 365 times in the Bible, God says, fear not. We lie to ourselves and say, I'm just always going to struggle with my finances. But God says to trust him with our tithe, and he will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing so much that we can't even, even handle it. We lie to ourselves and we say, God helps those who help themselves. If it's to be, it's up to me. I've got to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And God says, I don't want you carrying that burden all alone. I don't want you doing that by yourself. That's where many of us are today. We are carrying burdens that God doesn't want us to carry. God says we need to lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross and let him take care of them. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, say the last phrase with me. Who can be against us? One more time. Who can be against us? We make our joy decision every day. We pray about everything, we think about the right things, and we trust God with it all. Now here's the final thought on this series, on the whole book of Philippians. Paul lays it out at the end of the joy journey. He says this, he says, Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. And there he's probably referring to Timothy and Epaphroditus that we've talked about. It says, all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Caesar, that's the guy that's had Paul arrested. That's the guy that wants to behead him. That's the guy who's, who's opposed to all of this, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And I just love how Paul just slides that in. He just slides in. Uh, Here's greetings, especially from those in Caesar's household. You know, Paul had vision. He had a plan for his life. He had the desire to preach the gospel in Rome and reach the world. Rome was the center of the world at that time. If he could preach the gospel there, it could radiate out from Rome and, and change the whole world. But instead, Paul gets arrested in Jerusalem and hauled off to Rome in chains. He's thrown into a Roman prison, condemned to death, awaiting execution. Life did not go as he had planned. But Paul gained victory over his worries, whys, and whos. He didn't get stuck in his past or ruined by his regrets. He didn't get defeated by his disappointments. Instead, he chose joy. And while he was in prison, he preached the gospel to his captors. He preached the gospel to the guards who were watching him. And he won to the Lord the very people who held him captive. And he sends greetings from the believers in Caesar's household. Paul thought he was going to reach Rome through the pulpit. Instead, he reached it through a prison. Here's the bottom line. Joy wins. Joy wins. That's why you want to make the joy decision, because joy wins. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your love for us, for the the salvation, the new life that you offer us in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that you offer us, the love, joy, and peace that you offer in the midst of our anxieties, in the midst of our worries, whys, and whos. God, I pray that you would help us to just make the choice, make the decision every day to pursue joy. And that we would lay our cares at your feet through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, that we would shift our thoughts to those things that are true and right and noble and admirable, and that we would just simply trust you. God, we thank you that you're the God of peace and we lean steadfastly on you. In Jesus' name, amen.